Thank you for listening to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice specializing in maternal mental health. Here on the podcast, we talk a little bit about everything from pop culture to motherhood, womanhood, parenthood, and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and listen to a quick chat with me. Hey guys, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to you about our upcoming event, which is our mindfulness hike. It is happening on Saturday, May 6th at Roswell Mill here in Roswell, Georgia. This is our second hike. Our first hike happened about a year ago at Arabian Mountain in Lithonia, Georgia, and the hike was beautiful. Not only did we have beautiful weather, we started the hike with a grounding exercise, we did a meditation, and then we hiked up to the top of the mountain. It took some moments to be able to individually journal, reflect, really be present, and enjoy all of the sights around us. And then we hiked back down and everyone was able to get connected, meet new people, exchange phone numbers, and it was such a beautiful experience. So needless to say, I am super excited about our next mindfulness hike. And I'm also even more excited because we have four wonderful sponsors for this hike. Our first sponsor is Printed. Imprinted was founded by Kelly Harden, and it is a collection of amazing wraps, bags, notepads, and notebooks and planners. Kelly says that she started her company, Printed, for her love for all things paper, which led her on this journey of self-discovery and creativity. She created illustrations, which became paper goods. She wanted gift wrap paper that spoke to her, and when she couldn't find any, she created them on her own. Printed is a paper company in Kennesaw, Georgia for all the gifting celebrations in anyone's life. They understand that with gifts, the outside needs to speak just as much as the inside. So they design a gift wraps that can speak for any occasion. Please hop over to printedshop.com. That's P-R-N-T-D shop.com. Our second sponsor is Aya Paper Company, which is a sustainable stationary brand that creates greeting cards and gifts to celebrate the people and moments that matter most. When founder and creative director Savan Anderson began conceptualizing plans for Aya, the well-being of the earth was at the front of mind. As an advocate for environmental justice, she wanted to ensure that Iyer Paper Company didn't perpetuate issues like climate change and pop pollution, which disproportionately impact communities of color. Iyer Paper Company has been featured in Black Enterprise, Allure, BuzzFeed, Maria Claire, Time, Architectural Digest, and Forbes. Savon Anderson founded the company in 2019 while she was working full-time as a graphic designer at a New York City contemporary art museum. She was inspired by notes of encouragement received by friends and family over the years to create a line of stationery that brings an authentic sense of joy and celebration to life's daily moments. Hop over to ayapaper.com. It's A-Y-A paper.co. Our third sponsor is Page 11 Paper Goods. Page 11 was founded by Alicia McGee. She resides in Dallas, Texas with her husband, Joshua, and their four-year-old son, Josiah. And Page 11 has many things in which anyone would want to be able to help them feel motivated, inspired, confident. They have an array of planners, 
journals, notepads, and progress mini desk pads, traveling journals, and stationery that can have informations listed on them, such as their Be Intentional stationery, which our hikers on our May 6th hike will be able to enjoy. It is a beautiful collection of things that can help you be productive, also inspired, and also motivated. Check out page 11 at page11papergoods.com. And lastly, our final sponsor is Positivity Alkaline Water. Positivity Alkaline Water is an exclusive premium bottled water experience. Every drop of Positivity is fused with positive electrolytes and each sip restores pH balance. Positivity Alkaline Water is created to refresh your outlook on life, restore your body, and renew your mind. To check out Positivity Alkaline, head on over into PositivityAlkalineWater.com. That's shop.positivitywater.com and order your bottle today. So if you're interested in joining us for our hike, because we only have three spots left over, go over to our website at pushthroughmom.com, head over to the events page and select mindfulness hike. There you can register and also feel free to bring a friend. Got too much on my plate, showing up late, Okay, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to do a brief catch up with you. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode with Dr. Brooke, where we talked about the pelvic floor. And since then, life has gotten a little bit crazy. And if you notice in some of our episodes, I talk kind of weird. (laughs) It's because I have braces. I've had braces since October. I wanted to get my bottom set um, straightened out. I was incredibly inspired by Tabitha Brown's amazing smile that she has. And I don't know if those are her real teeth or, or aren't her real teeth, but either way, her teeth are gorgeous. And with doing speaking engagements, seeing myself on film, I wanted to just get my teeth as straightened as they possibly could and whitened. So I got them put on in October and I chose to get metal braces because I wanted to kind of expedite the experience and um, also be very structured and disciplined uh, with not forgetting to put my trays on or trays off. And I say all that to say I'm getting my braces off in two weeks on May 11th and I'm super excited. Um, So then I can talk normally and I can eat regular food again. But um, it's been a couple of weeks because it's been a whirlwind. Um, We have three new team members that are joining Push Through Therapy. So we're continuing to grow and expand. I'm so grateful and I am so proud and um, I don't know, full of gratitude for my team and for Push Through Therapy to be a community resource for several people that are looking for therapy services. And with that said, I wanted to just take some time to really build that and get things organized before jumping into summer. And a lot of times summer, 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 see, I told you I talk weird. Um, Summer usually slows down for folks, but my summer is packed. (laughs) Um, I'm presenting at the LPCA conference in Savannah, Georgia, the first week of May. And then in June, my family and I are going on vacation. So I'm so, so excited about that, that we're going to get away and go to the beach. We didn't really take a vacation last year because we were moving 
but this year we can actually go somewhere. So that is something that's well-deserved because we've been working really hard and it's nice to take some days off and just enjoy each other. And is anything else happening in June? I don't think anything else is happening in June, but July is packed. (laughs) Um, July, I'm waiting to hear if an event that I have put into the universe will come through for me to be able to speak at. So fingers crossed, um, send some positive energy my way that that will work itself out because I will be in awe and riding on cloud nine. And if it doesn't, all is still well because it's still been an amazing year. And then after that, I'm going to go see Usher because he has a residency in Vegas. So I'm going with some friends and I've not been to Vegas before. So that in itself will be a really, really good time. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I am looking forward to it. And then after that, um, one of my very, very, very dear friends will be coming into town for a couple of days. So we'll get to spend some time with them. And then I have another conference that I'm speaking at. That's the Shades of Blue Project in Houston, Texas. Um, It is a Black maternal reproductive justice organization that has a yearly conference, and I'm going to be presenting at that one. So yeah, (laughs) the summer is packed. And while all of that is going on, my oldest graduates from, that's what else is happening in May, my oldest is graduating from kindergarten, and they're having a graduation ceremony and he'll be out of school for a little bit. And then he starts camp after Memorial Day. So this will be his first time going to camp. And um, that's going to be cool. And then he'll be transitioning to a new school in August. So it's preparing for that. And right now we're kind of pending which school he's going to be going to. He's put into a lottery to be able to go to a public school that's near us. And if that doesn't work out, then we also are pending a backup school. So... Yeah. <laughs> and I also put him in swimming for this summer. So it's busy. It's busy. And um, in the meantime, I have been doing a lot of reading and reflecting because I didn't share, but I had a birthday at the beginning of April. And it was a very, very quiet birthday. Chill, low key, not much going on. Um, and that's kind of because next year it's going to be a big birthday and I'm going to have a really big party next year and I'm going to take a big trip next year. So not only just to save money for that, but to also just, just lay low and just reflect. So I wanted to take this year to really just embrace the year and my growth and reflect and, you know, be unapologetically myself and like all parts of myself. And so not only do I read a lot of books just to help clients and people that I work with, but to also, you know, really reflect on how I implement these strategies myself in my own day-to-day life. So I wanted to share with you a couple of things that I have been utilizing that has been um, really something that has inspired a lot of thought for me. Uh, First and foremost, I wanted to share that I listened to Angie Martinez's podcast over the weekend. I think it dropped on Saturday and is with 
Tiana Taylor. And I had to listen to it in bits and pieces because I had family in town, but I finished it to its entirety yesterday morning and it was so good. So I highly recommend that you hop over there to Angie Martinez in Real Life Podcast. She does such a great job as an interviewer. And um, I think like my favorite ones so far has been Lauren London's, Taraji P. Henson's, and now Tiana Taylor. And and it's interesting because when you hear these people who, you know, you don't know anything about and you only kind of know what the media puts out about them or what, you know, little bits that you you hear about them because they're a celebrity. Um, It's so much more different whenever it's a it's a podcast episode and they're being a bit more vulnerable. Um, so Tiana's was very more so vulnerable and she was sharing a lot of insecurity she's had, struggles she's had, and she has a film that's coming up called A Thousand and One. And I am planning to watch that this weekend, um, possibly Friday or Saturday, is right up my alley. It's about a mother and her son. Um, not only, you know, am I such a huge advocate about black maternal mental health, but I am a black mother and I'm raising a two sons. So I was telling a friend how I know that the film is going to spark a lot of emotion in me because the trailer in itself was a lot. So I can only imagine. And from what I know, it's about a mother who kidnaps her son from his foster care home. And I guess we'll find out why he was in foster care. And from there, she raises him. But there's a secret that she's carrying that at some point comes out. And it's based in New York. And Tiana looks like, and sounds like from the interview that she gave, 110%. And of course, you know, people say it has like Oscar buzz around it. And regardless if it, ends up being an Oscar-worthy film for the Oscar standards or whatnot, um, which you can't base films on anyway because we know how a lot of folks get snubbed and films and good artists get snubbed. And that's not the end-all, be-all of what is something that's remarkable. I think just by the trailer in itself, this just seems like a career high of, of art for Tiana. And also in the podcast, it was amazing to hear her talk about motherhood and just friendships and and her faith and her abandonment issues. It was really good. But going back to my original point, I wanted to share some books that I'm reading. Um, The first one, and I have shared this with several of my clients, is Platonic, How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends by Marissa G. Franco. Um, She is a PhD and she's been on several podcasts that I've heard and that's what prompted me to decide to get the book. The book is so inspiring. It's talking about how sometimes we can have social anxiety Um, sometimes we can have a lot of negative self-talk. We want to put ourselves out there to meet others and to expand our networks and how it also relates into dating, picking partners. And it's about the attachment theory, which I find quite fascinating because I don't want to get all into like psychology talk, but I've said before that, 
my practice is rooted heavily in psychodynamic theory, which is based off of a lot of experiences in which you've had as a child or the things that were modeled to you by the adults in your life contributes to how your personality is shaped and how you choose your friends or how you choose your partners. And she kind of dabbles in that in the book and it's quite fascinating. But if anything, I thought it was super, super helpful because I work with a lot of mothers that are lonely and want to make friends. Rather, their friends don't have kids or they're away from their friends and they're kind of doing motherhood alone and they would like a friend where they can do play dates, but they can also enjoy the person. And they may, you know, think to themselves like, oh, I don't want to reach out because they're probably busy or they'll probably think I'm weird. So the book offers lots of tips on that, which is helpful in working with clients. But overall, I highly recommend it. The second book is The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F-U-C-K by Mark Ronson. Um, That book is quite, I don't know, it's kind of like on point of what I thought it was going to be, but it's also just like a different perspective. Um, In a lot of ways, it's talking about not trying to shame yourself or feel bad about yourself because you may not be in comparison of who or what you think is great. Um, You know, like in the age of social media, there's so much comparison. There's, oh, I wish I had this person's arms or, oh, I wish I had that person's stomach or waist or... I wish I was rich like this person or smart like this person or able to, you know, turn a thousand dollars into a billion dollars like that person. And it's more so of just being able to embrace the person that you are and liking all of your flaws and all the parts that are of of you and evaluating what is important to you that you want to fight for and evaluating the things that aren't as important to you that you can let go and just really being able to exist authentically as yourself. Um, So the title, in some ways, is misleading a little bit um, because they do drop the F-bomb several times throughout the book. But from that standpoint, um, it is super cool. And the other book that I am reading is um, All Bad Parts. Is that the correct name of it? Let me make sure. and it is based off of the internal family systems. No Bad Parts, that's what it's called. No Bad Parts, um, and it is by Dr. Richard Schwartz. And it's talking about how we have different parts of us um, and how those different parts are rooted out of experiences in which we've we've had. And sometimes we'll think like, you know, this part of me, I should you know, push away or um, not allow to exist, or this is a part that I don't really like about myself. I don't like when I'm in this certain environment and this is how I act. And it's about examining that part of you and where it's come from and how to nurture it or how to have a healthier balance. So that's super, super, super helpful. And I think those are the main three ones. The last one that I wanted to share is a podcast that I'm listening to. And in lieu of me talking about getting older, and this is a year where I am, I don't know how to say it, uh, 
trying to be the the best version of myself, like in, in an unapologetic, authentic self and make space for all the parts of who I am. So for example, I finally signed up for an art class that's at an art studio that's in the town that I live. Art's something that was hugely a part of my life. Um, I almost minored in art in college and I have pieces of the art that I did when I was in college around my house. And since then, I've just been so busy with life that I haven't been able to pick up a sketch pad or pick up any paint to get back into it. And so I made space to do it again. And I tried out Pilates. I hadn't done that before. And I went to Solid Core Pilates Studio in Decatur, Georgia, and took a class. And um, I've been running. I think I've shared that I've done two half marathons so far, and I'm planning on doing a third and that's like me really moving my body and um, I got my braces and just like all of those things. Like it's it's who I am, but it's like polishing it off and, and really embracing those parts of who I am. And um, with that being said, there's this new podcast out and it is hosted by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, I love Seinfeld. I have the entire first season on DVD. Someone gifted it to me years ago. I just think she's funny. <laughs> and um, so she has this podcast called Wiser Than Me, where she interviews women over the age of 80. And she's kind of talking about how for women, whenever they reach a certain age, society kind of disposes of them or puts them away when we know that they're like, the wisest people to be walking because they've lived such a full life and had so many experiences. When I think about my own mother, she's 73. She'll be she'll be 73 this year. She was someone who was born in 1950 and she's lived through the civil rights movement. She was here when Kennedy was assassinated. Martin Malcolm was killed. And, you know, from a time where Black people could vote to a time where we had our first black president to another civil rights uprising to the pandemic. You know, like she's lived a life. And so the the podcast is interviewing these women to talk about aging and ageism and the experiences in which they've had and lessons they've learned and any advice that they would hand back to those that are in the second quarter or first quarters of their life. So I love it. It's, it's a really great podcast. And those are the things I wanted to share. But you guys are about to be in for a treat. I'm interviewing Amanda Wilson, who is a great friend of mine. And I, I don't go into it a little bit, but Amanda was someone who was a huge supporter of Push Through when I first had this idea of creating this platform and what I wanted to create from it. And I was so grateful of all of the support in which she offered me. And being someone who can sometimes have like these great creative ideas in my head and not really share them with others, it was amazing to have someone be able to kind of hear you talk about it and think, oh my God, this sounds like amazing. Like this is incredible with what you're doing and really want to stand behind and cheer you on. So 
Um, sit back and enjoy the rest of this episode as I interview Amanda and we talk about her birth story. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. And I am so excited to introduce our next guest, Amanda Slater, um, who is a mom of a not even year, one year old yet. Um, she's still a baby, not a toddler, and a first-time mom. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Keisha. I really appreciate the opportunity. And yes, um, Demi is about to be eight months in um, at the end of this week. Yes. <laughs> you are fresh, fresh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get into the motherhood journey, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, well, as you stated, my name is Amanda. My maiden name is Wilson. So Slater came about in 2021. I was married October the 1st. Yes. Um, so Demi is a honeymoon baby. She's a baby that we definitely prayed for, but wasn't expecting the blessing <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> but um, I am from a small town, Danville, Virginia. Um, very, very small town, very low income, very low education level. So I've always had dreams of kind of doing something different with my life than what I had seen around me. So it kind of led me to Atlanta. Um, well, first it led me to Charlotte and then I didn't want to leave Charlotte, but I got accepted to graduate school in Atlanta. And when I got to Atlanta, it was just this big world that I had never seen before. And like the city just gave me butterflies and I was super excited to be here. So I've developed my network here. Um, in Atlanta, my career network, my social network. Um, I think, you know, Atlanta is forever home. I don't see myself anywhere else. Um, I am a mother of a biological daughter, one, but I also have two bonus children. Um, Tristan, he's 11. And then Skye, she is six years old. Um, they are from previous relationships that my husband had. And um, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> and I'm gonna get I'm gonna circle back around into like the life differences between Virginia and Atlanta and all of the accomplishments mm -hmm. you have made. But um had you always imagined yourself as a mother? I did. I've always imagined myself as a mom. I think that I, my friends <laughs> imagined me as a mom because when I got pregnant and everyone was like I'm so happy for you we know that you've always wanted this and I'm like how did you guys know like did I make it that obvious but yes I've always wanted to be a mother um I initially wanted to be a mother of five oh, really? um yes <laughs> I wanted to be a mother of five and I remember I used to watch like um um what's the show called Bill Cosby yeah I used to watch Bill Cosby and I thought this was so amazing to have such this large family um, I watched Full House and felt the same way. So I always wanted to be a mother of five. But, you know, as we get a little bit older, we realize how much um, money children cost <laughs> and how time consuming it can be. Then that idea has definitely decreased tremendously. Um, but being a mother for me was just kind of like when I thought about being a mother, I just thought about creating a human being that would go out and do great things in the world, and would be nice to people. And I just wanted to place somebody on the earth that was positive and that was kind of like a feel-good person to other people. I like that. I, I never thought about it in that perspective before, but that's that's good. So 
you went from five to what's your max now? Well, I my max is probably going to be just the two um, because of my age. So I am 36 right now. Um, I wouldn't mind having three, but I, I'm I'm completely okay with just the two. Okay. Because essentially we would have four. Right, right. So although my two bonus children. You could children, have your five. You could have your five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, so I'm I'm pretty cool with, with two. I'm cool with two. <laughs> Who were your maternal influences growing up? You know, so my, I have an aunt and an uncle who've been together forever um, since before I was born. And they were always my influence only because like I said, you know, our age group, I'm definitely telling the age, but we grew up on Bill Cosby and Full House. So just to see them in a home and even though Full House, the mother had passed away, it was kind of like his village had stepped in to help him. Mm -hmm. So to see like an intact family, because my parents are, were divorced. They were divorced when I was about four. So my mom raised me as a single mother and she was amazing, mm -hmm. um, but she did, she lacked the affection that I needed. Um, she was more so like women are independent and um, they do what they have to do to get things done. Um, so she always worked. She always was kind of in go mode. And to be honest with you, my mom didn't tell me, out loud she may have said it in her head but she never told me she loved me until I went to college mm. my freshman year when I was leaving so I didn't get that affectionate component from her that I needed and then my sister she's nine years older than me and she would give me that um only after she left to go to the air force mm. so when she was in high school she hated me she said she didn't, but I'm pretty sure she did um, because my mom will push me on her like, oh, take your sister with you. And we're nine years apart. So it's a big gap. Um, so as she got older, when she went away to the Air Force, she started to give me the affection that I needed. So now I'm getting kind of like the the hustler mentality from my mom and then I'm getting the affection from my sister. Um, so together they were great. But when I looked at my aunt and my uncle, my aunt and my uncle, my cousin had it all. He had both his parents in one household that was fulfilling everything that he needed, whether it was financially or whether it was emotional. And I felt like they owned their house. Hmm. They didn't move constantly. They had, they had at that time, I felt like it was a car lot, but it was like three cars. <laughs> they always have three cars. And I was like, they had a lot of cars. And they always had so much food in their refrigerator. I thought it was amazing. And when I used to go over there, it was the structure that was very important to me even as a kid even when i hated having a bedtime i still felt like oh this is what love feels like mm -hmm. so we went over there we had a certain bedtime and i remember even on the weekends we would have to be in bed by 10 p.m and at my house it was kind of like stay up as long as you want you know very free range um sundays we went to church every sunday we went to bible school then we went to church and we always sat at the table we always ate together and I remember she used to always make us go wash our hands and then we would come in and one of us would pray over the food, say our grace. So I think for me, just seeing them both working really hard, both being able to provide a stable living and having that structure, I just knew this is how I want to be. I want to be like this. It's also interesting that like even as a child, you could recognize those contrast differences and then mm -hmm. like, gravitate towards it. And almost like really appreciate the structure that mm -hmm. for you. 
That's good. Yeah. It gave you an idea of the type of family that you wanted to have for your own. Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. And my uncle that I'm referring to, he actually walked me down an aisle because my father passed away um, a year before my wedding. So my uncle that I'm talking about, I was um, honored to ask him to walk me down an aisle. Awesome. I mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so when you got pregnant with Demi on your beautiful honeymoon, um, <laughs> what, what, what was your pregnancy experience like? Cause I knew at least on my perception as an outsider, it seemed like mm -hmm. you were the cutest clothes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> to shoot photos. It looked pretty easy breezy, but how, how was it all the way up into the end? Oh, thank you. That was sweet. Um, you know what? My pregnancy was super easy. Mm. It was super easy. Um, I got pregnant so quick. Um, I actually, you know, I was taking birth control and I stopped. So my wedding was October the 1st. I stopped birth control the day after Labor Day. So I guess like September the 4th or something like that. Um, and I got pregnant on my honeymoon. And when I came back, when I came back from my honeymoon, I went to get my nails done. Mm -hmm. And at my nail salon, they offer you wine. And typically I, I drink about two glasses because it ain't cheap to get your nails done. <laughs> so you I drink about two glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but I found myself not getting through the first glass. And I wasn't like sick or nauseous, but I felt bloated. Like I kept feeling bloated. So when I got home, something just told me, just take the test and see. Because I knew that um, I did have a high chance of getting pregnant on my honeymoon because I was tracking. Mm. Um, so I took the test and it was positive. And I told my husband he was cutting the grass. He thought I was joking. So he went back outside and finished cutting the grass. <laughs> he was like, stop playing. And he went outside and cut the grass. Then he came back in and he was like, are you for real? And I'm like, yeah. So it happened so quickly. So, you know, I do know that my heart goes out to women who do have a difficult time um trying to conceive unfortunately well not unfortunately but thankfully that wasn't my journey um so my conception was pretty easy my pregnancy was pretty easy um I did have a couple of things that occurred so I had breakthrough bleeding um and one time it was a lot so I went to the hospital and I found out I had a polyp mm. I think that's how you pronounce it um, so that was one issue. And then another issue I had was that I had fibroids, which a lot of African-American women have those. Um, so I had to see a high risk specialist for the first and second trimester. But by the third trimester, um, I was clear because the fibroids actually had shrank just a little bit. And then they were kind of away from the baby. So um, it wasn't going to cause any issues there. So there was some scares, but I think because overall it was a good pregnancy and I was in really good spirits that even when those obstacles presented itself I was able to just kind of um handle it and move forward because one of the main things I wanted to be sure that I did was to always stay in a good mood I really do believe that you know what we feel in our emotional state kind of de definitely has a direct impact on the baby um so when things would happen you know I would be sad in that moment but I would go and immediately get answers. Um, I would ask as many questions as I needed to because I felt like at that time, especially when I had the breakthrough bleeding and I had the fibroids, education is what kind of kept me at ease. So the more knowledge I had on it, the better I felt and the less my anxiety was. Um, so overall, I would definitely say that 
my pregnancy was was amazing. I feel like it was a nine out of 10. Like it was super easy. I didn't experience any type of uh, morning sickness or anything. Um, no vomiting. Yeah, no vomiting. Um, the most I had was a loss of appetite in my first trimester. And that was because I had COVID in 2020. Mm. So I had lost my ability to smell. So when I got pregnant, everything started to smell like garlic. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very hard for me to eat anything. Um, so I kept losing weight. So I ended up um, getting insurers. So I would just drink insurers when I couldn't eat. And um, for whatever reason, I could eat cereal. Oh, wow. I would do insurers <laughs> and cereal. And then that was pretty much it. But other than that, like it was it was definitely it was an easy pregnancy. That's good. Were there any challenges? from birth on into your postpartum period that you felt like you had to work through? Mm-hmm. So my my delivery was also easy. And I and I, I, I want to say I hate telling people this story, but I don't want to hate it because I feel like the more I tell it, the lower women's anxiety will be. Yeah. I gained a lot of education throughout my pregnancy because I, I think my age has something to do with it. The older we get, the more experiences we have. Um, and the more readily, readily we're available to seek resources. So I took your course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on maternal mental health, which was amazing and helped me um, just know that it's okay for me to ask the doctor questions. Yeah. It's okay for me to tell the doctor, no, this is what I'm feeling. You know, it's okay for me to advocate for myself and to create that birthing plan, which I did. Um, so, yes. So, you know, that was very um educational and one of the things like with my delivery I had heard so many horror stories about oh it's going to be the worst pain you've ever felt you know you're going to know when you're in labor it's you're going to be miserable so when I was going into labor I was having contractions but I kept waiting for them to get worse Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be something that I could not bear so I waited and I waited. By the time I got to the hospital, I was eight and a half centimeters dilated. <laughs> and um, we got to the hospital at seven and she came at 930. Wow. Yes. So my my delivery was also easy. Now, the postpartum, I think I had prepared for it as best I could. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of knowledge on what to expect and people telling me, be sure to set boundaries, be sure to... Um, kind of trust your intuition, trust Mm -hmm. your gut. If you have a plan on how you want to parent your child, then know that you are her mother, Terrell is her father, and you all, you know, you can do this. So I knew all of that. And I even set boundaries because at this time, COVID was still kind of going. Um, And one of the boundaries was you cannot come. No one could come and visit her until she had her shots. Now, at that time, I thought it was six-week shots, but apparently it's moved to eight-week shots. So the baby gets eight-week shots. So no one could come visit her until she got her eight-week shots. I was going to allow my mom and my sister to come um, and then Terrell's parents to come. So those were the four people that could come. But they all had to get tested mm-hmm. and quarantine before they arrived. And then um, they could not come at the same time. So I had broke the visitation up. So my mom and my sister was coming first, um, which was immediately after I got home. I think about three days after I got home. And then Terrell's parents would come two weeks after that. And one of the things that I wasn't prepared for was for for those boundaries to not be respected. Uh 
<laughs> so that was the adjustment. So um, my husband's parents, they did come while my sister and my mom was here. Like and it was or it was like, hey, we're on the way. So it was kind of like they had went to Vegas and then they were saying that they were stopping. So they were going to just go ahead and stop here. Gotcha. And I wasn't aware until they came and they told, and when I said something, they initially stated that it was just during their layover. Gotcha. But then that layover, which was supposed to be a couple of hours, turned into three days. Wow. And as shortly after their departure, me and the baby got COVID. Oh, no. I didn't know Mm-hmm. God, yes. handle that. Let me tell you, that was, that really broke me down and I was kicking myself in the butt because <laughs> I was kicking myself in the behind because I just felt like had I had the courage to set my, to put my foot down, then this wouldn't have happened. Um, and, and I didn't. And that's when I had to learn that it's not enough just to set boundaries. You also have to implement consequences. Right. Um, because not to say that we wouldn't have got COVID any, you know, any other time, but in that moment, I felt like it could have been prevented. And with her being so young, at this point, she's only a month old. I just didn't know what to expect. So, you know, immediately I was breastfeeding at the time. And I knew I had, well, I didn't know, but I assumed I had COVID because I was breastfeeding her and my nose just kept running for no reason. And it's like four o'clock in the morning. Um, so I took her at home COVID test. It came out positive. So um, we took her to Children's and they tested her and hers came back positive as well. But all of her vitals and everything was stable. Um, so they said that she's probably not going to have any symptoms. She just has a positive test. So we had to quarantine for 10 days, which was even more difficult because now I have a newborn. Um, I'm not breastfeeding now. I'm using the formula, which wasn't so much of an adjustment because I was always co-feeding. Yeah. So that was an adjustment, but to be isolated in a room with her by myself for 10 days and everything was completely on me was a lot, Yeah, was a lot. Like Terrell couldn't even help me like put her to sleep. Terrell couldn't wake up in the middle of the night with her because he's downstairs in another room. So I think that that was the biggest adjustment is just knowing that not only set your boundaries, but also implement your consequences. Absolutely. So... Yes. So they did try to come again, probably a, like a month after that, they tried to come again before she had gotten her eight week shots. Mm -hmm. And I told them, no, they still came. And I told her they had to go to a hotel. Good for you. Yes. So and, and it was difficult because, of course, you know, everybody's not going to be happy with you. Yeah. But at that point, it's it's above me now. But I can imagine, I don't know, I don't think we've ever like talked, talked about it, but like when I had Ezra, I had pretty bad postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, mm -hmm. but I couldn't imagine having gotten COVID and my child had COVID and I had to deal with it by myself for like 10 days. Like, how did you emotionally work through that was it just like this is what I got to do or were you on the phone with Terrell for emotional support or how how it was 
a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Terrell did as much as he could do from a distance. So I do um I do appreciate you know his involvement as much as he could do. His support was amazing. Um whatever I needed, he would definitely bring it up. But other than that, it was just kind of like a mindset. Like I was just, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, a lot of self-talk, thinking to myself, like, this is what you have to do to make sure you and your baby are safe. Um, it, it was it was tough. It was tough. I will say that I do felt like I did have maybe um, the postpartum blues for a little while. Um, I spoke to a therapist and um, and primarily because it was so much going on at one time with having COVID and then having to potentially go back to work. So I would have had to go back to work in six weeks. She didn't get her shots till eight weeks. At a month, we had COVID. So that's four weeks. So then I got to stay in the in the room for 10 days. So right as soon as that 10 days is up, it might it's time for me to go back to work. Yeah. So that was so much on me that, you know, I cried. I definitely cried a lot. I felt like I was failing at that point. Like I did something wrong. Like this could have been prevented. And I had to just remind myself that you're doing the best that you can. Moving forward, this is just something that you learn from. Yeah. So not every mistake has to be kind of like the end all be all. Right. So I really reminded myself, like, don't beat yourself up. Like, give yourself grace and know that everything that you're doing is for your daughter. Right. So at that point, it took a lot of self-talk. Um, it took a lot of support from Terrell, and um, I also did see a therapist for probably about a month. That's good. So a therapist for a month, yeah, and that helped out a lot because she also implemented things that I already knew in my mind because I'm a therapist too, mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to implement at the time. Like the way I was feeling had gotten me so far down that I just wanted to kind of just be still, right? But just knowing to get back active. So, you know, I would put on music and I would dance in a room with Demi. You know, I would read to Demi. So we did a lot of things um, in that room with just me and her. And I realized in that moment that this is a special time that I can use to bond with her, to laugh with her, to get to know her, for her to get to know me. And it doesn't have to be this, this horrible thing that happened because of COVID. I can turn this definitely into a better experience. That's awesome. Um, and I like like the the tips that you offer as far as like setting boundaries, being educated, learning as much as possible to reduce anxiety, getting a therapist, leaning on your support, and having consequences to the boundaries. Those are great mm -hmm. to provide to new moms. My last question is, because since I've known you, and for people who don't know, Amanda has been a huge advocate and supporter of push through from the beginning and she is a uh, a cheerleader for all women and what they do and I have always known you to be someone who's very well traveled you know always immersing yourself into cultures and learning and um someone who likes to have a good time <laughs> um, investing in business and generational wealth since becoming a mom how have you figured out a balance with that or is there a balance like how have you still maintained who you were prior to being a mom and now with these responsibilities it is definitely an adjustment 
that is like the that is like the theme where it's an adjustment. So last year, well, not last year. Yeah, last year. So last year in February, I bought a house as an investment property. Um, and the house needed some work. At that point, I'm about five months pregnant. It took me a whole year to get that house completed <laughs> because I thought I was gonna have it done prior to the baby coming. So Prior to me turning eight months was my goal to have it done. So they only gave me three months, but it needed way more work than what I'd expected, way more money. Um, and I just couldn't afford it. And I just didn't have the time because I had to prepare for this new baby. So adjusting and balance is kind of like the key words, understanding that there is a new normal and it's okay if you can't go at the same speed as you normally would go. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay if you have to take a moment because in the middle of doing this for yourself, doing this for your investment, for your hobbies, for your career, now you also have a whole human being to take care of. Mm -hmm. And you can't just ignore them. You can't just not give them your attention, not give them your love, you know, um, because you I mean some people do, but <laughs> but that's not the that's not the type of parent I wanted to be. I didn't want to hire someone to take care of my child and me just focus on this. Yeah. So in order to be the parent that I wanted to be, I had to learn that I needed a balance and that my priority is my child and she comes first. Mm -hmm. And then secondly would be my priority to make sure that she has that generational wealth. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's important to to put those you know, in a hierarchy, see, because if I put the generational wealth above Demi, then she's going to lack the the mental capacity and the emotional support to even be able to continue and maintain that, that generational wealth. True. In order to have a well-rounded child that can inherit that wealth and continue the dream that you have for your family, then you have to focus on that child. Make sure that you pour into that child first. I don't want her to lack anything and grow up and feel like, well, my mom put money before me. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to have that balance, I just had to say, listen, I'm just going to take a pause with this and move forward with caring for Demi. And now that she's eight months, I would say around the six month mark, I felt more comfortable. Like I would travel with her um, to the investment properties. And work on them. I felt more comfortable, but allowing like my sister to keep her so that I could um, do work and things like that. Um, she is in daycare, which does help out a lot. So I've learned to use my resources in my in my village to help me. Um, but you know, as time came on, sometimes I think that once we well, not what I think, but um, for myself, I thought that once I had her, I would be able to jump back into things mm. immediately and. I can't, you know, I wasn't able to do that. It was something as simple as, I'm not sure if you've heard of prolapse before, yeah. but I experienced prolapse because within the first couple of, you know, weeks, I felt fine. My delivery was so easy that I felt fine. So I was getting up, I was going up the steps and I had my mom and my sister here. I had Terrell here and they all was like, baby, sit down, we'll get it, we'll get it. I'm like, no, I got it. You know, you just want to get back to yourself so quick. Yeah. That because I was too active, I suffered prolapse. Oh, no. So I think that was my body's way of telling me, sit down and slow down. Yeah. <laughs> and when I did that, I realized that nothing changed. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, like nothing went completely left. 
Like nothing was destroyed. Everything was taken care of. And I had to trust that the people around me are going to be there to support me. Nothing's going to catch on fire and not be extinguished. Like I had to trust that I need to rely on people now because I have a baby that comes first. So, yes, so definitely adjusting and balance and understanding, you know, my new limitations and my new normal. Pacing yourself. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being here. You're welcome. I appreciate hearing your own experience, things that I never knew. And I <laughs> like being able to have listeners learn like different things in a different perspective of how they can navigate their own personal journey. So thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was happy to be here. It was fun. Make a lame man walk and a full man And if you don't know what I'm saying, then baby, I'm telling you. There's power in them rolling hills, come on You're a prized possession, not everybody's worthy Only reason I know, cause I headed down that road And it'd be a shame for you not to have your own glow, come on